is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. What has been the headline story all day? Me, apparently. Me. There's a lot to get into tonight, and we will. Uh, this is my last broadcast day until I come back next Monday after the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. And up front, let me just tell you, I want to wish you a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. It's probably my favorite holiday, certainly up there. Uh, to all my family scattered all over the country, and to all your families, too. Well, uh, Matt Drudge. Matt Drudge is unbelievable. How he gets stories, how he gets leaks, I don't know. But he had a scoop today from somebody who likes to leak about me. And I was going to break it to you, but he broke it to you, and good for him. Now I will discuss it with you. First of all, I do this radio program, and I'm going to continue to do this radio program. Mr. Producer, we figured out how many more years? Seven, eight, something like that? And I'm locked in. And that's good, because I love doing this radio program, and I really like working for the companies that I'm associated with. Cumulus Westwood One. I'm going to continue to do Levin TV on CRTV because I much enjoy doing it. So that's not going to change. I'm going to continue to write my books because even though that's a, that's a tough thing to do, I really enjoy doing that as well. All we're doing is we are adding a Sunday night program, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fox News Channel. And let me tell you something. I couldn't be more honored to do it. I was approached by Fox, uh, I forget, some time ago. Uh, and it was a little complicated because, you know, I'm locked in with CRTV and I want to be with CRTV. So we all put our heads together and we worked it out. And so I will be doing a Sunday night program, 10 p.m. Eastern, each week, weekly, on the Fox News Channel. Now... The program's name is Life, Liberty, and Levin. I didn't come up with that title, but I love it. I came up with the title Battleground, but I like their title better. And so I signed the deal a couple weeks ago, and that's why I said I have something to tell you, I'm going to tell you, and I've told you. Uh, What I want to do on this program, ladies and gentlemen, is an in-depth, long-form interview of a single guest. A single guest, a person of consequence, who influences our society, who influences our principles, who influences the republic, who influences faith, who influences family and the individual. Some of them will be prominent, some of them won't be prominent. And I want to spend time really digging into the issues. What comes to mind to me, even though I certainly do not compare myself to this icon, is Bill Buckley's firing line. It won't be Bill Buckley's firing line because I'm not Bill Buckley by by any stretch, and I can't do firing line. But I can do life, liberty, and Levin. And so that's the goal. We're going to talk about history. 
and culture and politics. We'll talk about current events, but again, I want to get into constitutional law, the founders, uh, the Declaration of Independence, what all this means. Uh, so we'll get into some of these deep areas that typically are not covered on TV of any sort, network, satellite, or cable TV. And I am thrilled to have a 10 p.m. slot on a Sunday where you can sit back and watch it. You can sit back and watch it. And uh, we're shooting for the end of February. Uh, that is the goal. Um, Beyond that, there's really nothing else to tell you. It's that simple. Um, And uh, I'm very delighted that Fox would come to me. I'm very delighted that we could work this out and do this. And then then, uh, I want to read something to you from Politico. Now, here we have a reporter, so-called, who writes a piece in Politico, Jason Schwartz. I don't know who Jason Schwartz is. I've never met Jason Schwartz unless I bumped into him somewhere. I've never been interviewed by Jason Schwartz. And he writes a whole story on me. Now, maybe he reached out to Fox. He certainly didn't reach out to me. And here's the title. Let's read the story, okay, just to show you. And there'll be others. I'm I'm sure uh, they'll be out there, but that's okay. And they've tried to do an objective story. That's part of the problem. Fox adds another pro-Trump host. Now, Jason Schwartz has never read a single book of mine. I can tell. Jason Schwartz has never really listened to this radio program. Uh, Neither have the people, for the most part, who he asked to talk about me. So here we have an entire story of Politico, where I'm not talked to, which talks about me, labels me, pigeonholes me. But I'm... Thankful, I have this radio show where millions and millions of you are listening. I have Levin TV, and I will have my my Sunday program on Fox, where you yourself will get to observe and listen and so forth. You don't need interpreters on the left like those of Politico, many of whom wind up at the New York Times or CNN and so forth. So here's their story. Mark Levin gives the network one more fierce defender of the president protecting its flank from the alt-right competitors. I don't even know what all that means. What alt-right competitors? What are they talking about? I'm a fierce defender of the president when I feel the president should be defended, like this effort to push him out of office illegitimately uh, by the hardcore left. I feel the special counsel investigation is outrageous particularly his tactics and the staff that he's hired. And I will vigorously, fiercely defend the president when I think they're trying to destroy him, sabotage his presidency, and undermine in the course of the process our republic. But there are areas in which I disagree with the president, for which I'm attacked also. Most prominently would be trade. But the president of the United States has turned out, in my view, on a host of issues, to be the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. And I can go down the line with you. I've done it before, but I'm not going to waste my time on it right now. But I call them as I see them. I've always called them as I see them. Jason Schwartz has no idea who I am, what I think, nothing about what I've written, nothing. And yet he's assigned to write about me. Fox News announced on Tuesday it's hiring conservative commentator Mark Levin to host a new show at 10 p.m. Sundays 
drawing the network ever closer to its pro-Trump base and further protecting it from competition on the right. Now, I can tell you that when I was in discussions with the folks at Fox, none of this came up. we got to strengthen our pro-Trump base. we got to protect us from the right. Or is it the alt-right? None of that came up. None of it. So this is an imagination run, run wild by a so-called reporter. But he brings in others to help him. Watch. It's clearly another step in Fox News Channel's evolution to a more Trump-friendly series of programming, said Dan Shelley, executive director of the Radio Television Digital News Association. It's right in their current wheelhouse. I have no idea who this man is. I've been on radio for 15 years. I'm the third biggest host in America. Millions and millions of listeners, over 300 stations, satellite radio, digital radio. I don't know who this guy is. Maybe I bumped into him somewhere, too. I just explained what kind of show I'm doing. It may not even ever mention Trump. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. They have no idea and could care less what it is that Fox and I have said about the nature of this program, the substance of this program, what I'm going to be doing. They didn't even read the press release, apparently. The show, which will be called Life, Liberty, and Levin, is scheduled to debut in February. Levin, who arguably ranks just behind Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity for influence in the world of conservative talk radio hosts, has been critical of President Trump in the past. He supported Senator Ted Cruz in the 2016 Republican presidential primary, even identified himself as a member of the Never Trump movement until he decided to support Trump. Anybody who listens to this radio program knows exactly what happened there. When Roger Stone did his little sleazeball act, and I said, you know what, that's it. I'm never Trump. I'm not going to do it. And then Donald Trump reached out to me and said, he doesn't represent me. He doesn't speak for me. He's not associated with me. And then I pulled back. But it doesn't matter. Those are the facts. So uh, Levin decided to support Trump. Now, this is the reporter. He has seldom looked back since. Levin helped popularize the conspiracy theory that former President Barack Obama was wiretapping Trump Tower, an idea ultimately picked up by Trump himself and is known for promoting ideas online with the president. Mr. Producer, did I say that, Don, that Barack Obama wiretapped Trump Tower? I never said that. But I've been absolutely accurate about FISA, about the, the unmasking of individuals. Absolutely accurate. And, of course, they don't mention all I did was pull together media reports and headlines from such right-wing, alt-right sources of the New York Times, among others, to lay out the case, the case that they had laid out. And then when I laid it out, I'm a conspiracy th theory nut. Uh, but, of course, they continue to repeat this lie because Jason Schwartz has never talked to me and didn't ask me. Just recently, he has bashed the Robert Mueller investigation. True. Back Trump on extreme vetting, yes, I want our country to be safe, and complained about the liberal media ignoring various Clinton-related issues. I complain about the liberal media all the time. Uh, it's not even that liberal. <clears throat> it is a pro-Democrat, pro-big government, progressive media. Like Politico. Matt Drudge broke the news of Levin's hire on his Twitter feed Tuesday morning, writing Levin, who has sold millions of books and hosts a top-rated radio broadcast, was warmly received at White House at the White House last week during meetings with Trump-Pence. Now, this is amazing, too. I'm telling you, I have not discussed any of this with Matt Drudge. 
I didn't discuss the show and when the show was coming. I didn't discuss the White House. What happened was Vice President Pence asked to have lunch with me. I've known Vice President Pence a long time since he was a member of the House. He'd been on this radio show multiple, multiple times. There was no agenda, nothing of the sort, just a social meeting. And I went to the White House a few weeks later, what was it, last Thursday. And we had a wonderful lunch. And uh, again, just friendly and social for the most part. But prior to that, the lunch was late because the President of the United States asked the Vice President of the United States to go with him to the House of Representatives to talk to the Republicans and convince them to vote for the uh, tax proposal, which, of course, I opposed and still oppose, which might shock Politico. But I don't do my show or speak because I'm concerned about Politico. I try to communicate with you as best I can. When the Vice President mentioned to the President that I was going to be there for lunch, the President graciously suggested to him that when we're done, we should come over and see him. So when we were done, we went over to see him in the Oval Office, and he couldn't have been nicer. And I was there for 10 or 15 minutes, give or take. Couldn't have been nicer. I met General Kelly for the first time. Wonderful man. I met uh, the President's son, Eric Trump, for the first time. Very, very nice guy. By the way, he's like 6'5". Who else did I meet? I don't remember. But nothing heavy, nothing conspiratorial, just friendly. And then I went back to the bunker. It's that simple. But somehow Drudge found out about it, which is hilarious. Though Fox News has always been known for the conservative tilt of its commentators, in the years since Trump's election, the network has stuffed its lineup of opinion hosts with consistent cheerleaders for the president. Former mainstay Megyn Kelly was known for feuding with Trump. Well, Megyn Kelly decided to leave and went to NBC where she's... Well, never mind. And even Bill O'Reilly, who was forced out by the network in April amid sexual uh, harassment accusations, would break with him occasionally. Well, don't I break with him occasionally? Not because I need a pat on the head, but because I break with him occasionally. So what? But Fox's current primetime lineup of Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and Laura Ingram rarely criticizes Trump and goes to great lengths to defend him. Levin fits into that mold. Again, that's not Hannity, that's not Carlson, and that's not Ingram. They mostly support Trump because they're mostly conservatives. They mostly support Trump because they're mostly uh, traditionalists. The media seem to have it backwards because they believe in cults of personalities. They think we or I believe in a cult of personality. I absolutely do not. When I met the president in the Oval Office last week, that's the second time in my life that I've met him. The first time was at the, the rally on the steps of the Capitol against the Iran deal many years ago. And there were tens of thousands of us and it was a quick hello. They go on. I'll finish this uh, piece when we get back. Lovin. I'm only reading it because it just shows you how people develop storylines. They start... 
um, pigeonholing somebody. They don't even pay attention to what's been publicly stated about the nature of the program. They have no idea of my other legal obligations, whether it's CRTV or radio or so forth. They don't know me. They've never spoken to me. I've written seven New York Times best-selling books. They haven't read a single book. And yet they're writing a piece about me. The 10 p.m. Sunday time slot on Fox is not a high-profile one, though it could lead to bigger things, according to Brian Weiser, a senior analyst at Pivotal Research. If someone's getting a Sunday 10 p.m. show, it's safe to say that's a trial run, he said. If uh, viewing levels build or the show develops well, he said, then it can be given a time slot which is more likely to get greater viewing, unquote. There's been no discussion about that. How can I do another full-time show when I'm at CRTV? Just just as a matter of logic, I don't even think they know that I do CRTV, Levin TV. I don't even think they, they, they have any idea what I'm doing. I wanted to do a weekly show. I wanted to do it on Sunday when they approached me and asked me if I would come to Fox. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't ask for a primetime show. Not that they would have given it to me. I didn't ask for anything except weekly, one hour on a Sunday night. And that's what I'm doing. More when I return. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. All right, finishing the political piece. If you're just tuning in, I'll be doing a Sunday 10 p.m. show, weekly show, on the Fox News channel. Uh, An in-depth, long-form interview program uh, where we'll be talking to uh, prominent and not-so-prominent people, but people of consequence. History, philosophy, economics, civil society, politics, and so forth, but it's not just going to be a conga line of politicians and that sort of thing. Um, We're going to continue with our excellent show, Levin TV on CRTV, which we enjoy enormously. Obviously, not going anywhere on the radio. We'll be here for years to come as well. We'll continue to write, so this is an add-on, but a very exciting and important add-on. Fox is a very wide audience, and Fox is under constant attack. Anyway, this Politico piece from a reporter who never spoke to me and doesn't know me, interviewing people who don't know me and have never spoken to me. If someone's getting a Sunday 10 p.m. show, so in other words, now we're into theory. It's safe to say that's a trial run. Trial run for what? A trial run for what? If viewing levels build or the show develops well, then it can be given a time slot, which is more likely, excuse me, that's a sneeze, more likely to get greater viewing. I'm not trying out for anything, folks. I don't have to try out for anything. I was approached and... We're going to do the very best job we can doing what it is that I want to do. And that's this format. And what's wrong with Sunday at 10 p.m.? The fact is that I asked for the weekend at night. And I think Sunday at 10... I don't even know what's on MSLSD or CNN, the Constipated News Network. I have no idea what's on. Do you? No, and that's the point, isn't it? 
make my own little cozy spot. Shelley also noted that the move locks in Levin, a highly established name in conservative media, from joining other competitors. Well, that's true, but that's okay. We all know that Breitbart and others are seeing in the current Trump deregulatory climate opportunities to take on Fox. So Fox, for the first time, maybe in its entire history, is having to protect its flanks, he said. That was never discussed either, protecting flanks. Over the past year, Fox has been steadily adding programming, including three more hours of Fox and Friends, which is a great program, in the morning, and three more hours of news programming during the day, in addition to building out its weekend lineup. Levin's show replaced what is currently a replay of Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. I have no uh, uh, problem with Chris Wallace. I told you that some time ago. When I saw how Chris Wallace comported himself, the things he said at Nancy Reagan's funeral. I did a complete reversal on Chris Wallace. He was enormously respectful, and that meant a lot to me personally. I'm just telling you the truth. Um, because there aren't many journalists who are that close to Nancy Reagan. He happened to be, and... Uh, Again, it doesn't mean he agreed with their politics or disagreed with their politics, but he was very kind to her. He wasn't trying to destroy her. And, uh, you know, he's a reporter. He does what reporters do, real reporters. But when I listened to him and I watched him at her funeral, that did it for me. That did it for me. Absolute and complete respect. Again, you don't agree with everybody on everything, but respect for Nancy Reagan. Wiser, this is another guy, said there's a certain economic logic that already goes on. I don't even care about this anymore. So there's the Politico piece uh, about me that never talks to me. None of these people know me. Uh, even though we explained in the press release what the format is, no real discussion about the format. And, of course... Um, they don't care. That's the scenario. And the next thing that's going to happen is they'll cherry pick my show and the sound bites. You know, they've got their whole system down. They'll cherry pick. They'll think something that I say on radio is so outrageous. Then they'll try and tie it to Fox. Then they'll demand, do you agree with him? And look what you've done. And This is what they do. And these are other media outlets. They're not focused on news in themselves. And then, of course, the feeder organization that provides the opposition research, quote-unquote, and we know this in the case of Brian Stetler, whatever the hell that guy's name, uh, over there at Fox, is Media Matters. He had the head guy of Media Matters who said the, the, the sleaziest things uh, on his program this weekend, going on and on and on, trying to destroy Hannity. That's what they've become over there. I'm going to do something quite differently. I'll punch back, don't worry. I've got this platform. But the nature of this show is really going to be uh, more uh, cerebral, a little more, you know, on the the issues. And uh, as I say, we're going to try and dig a little bit more deeply on some of these issues, which I love to do, as you well know. But then I always have to get back in the gutter with people like John Conyers. i got to move on to John Conyers. House Democrats demand ethics probe into sexual harassment claims against John Conyers. Now, John Conyers is the longest-sitting member of Congress right now. 
Remember him on the impeachment committee on Nixon? He was there long before. I think he was elected in 1965, something like that. Will you check that, Rich? Now, if my memory is correct, and it may not be, 65, 75, 85, 95, guy's been there over half a century. I think it's close to 60 years, actually. I could be wrong on the date. And everybody in the house, I never knew this guy. You know, I didn't know he was paying settlements or we were paying settlements for him. I, I didn't know he was groping women. I didn't know he was flying women in on, on our dime, from, you know, uh, to have affairs with. Who knew? Who knew? Nobody knew. Nobody knows anything. Everybody's Helen Keller. They don't hear anything. They don't see anything and they don't speak. The code of science. The Republicans too. 1965, I hit it on the head. The guy's been in the house since 1965. I'm 60 years old, right? I was born in 1957. This guy's been in Congress since I was 8 years old. And a reliable left-wing kook vote. House Democrats, Washington Examiner, are calling for the House Committee on Ethics to investigate John Conyers after it was reported he settled a wrongful dismissal case related to sexual harassment accusations. Nobody knew that? Nobody knew that this guy was a pig? Seriously. I mean, we're not even talking about one incident, two incidents. We're talking about scores of alleged incidents. Representative Zoe Lofgren, California, and Gerald Nadler, New York, who both served with Conyers on the House Judiciary Committee and have for years, said the sexual misconduct allegations against the Michigan Democrat are troubling and serious. The two lawmakers believe the Ethics Committee should probe the accusation. There we go again with the Ethics Committee. Yeah, the Ethics Committee, Ethics Committee. First of all, they know that staff is understaffed. So they're going to load up all these allegations on the Senate and House side. I've talked about this before, but the point is they're going to push them all into the various Ethics Committees where they'll sit and they hope that over time other things will happen, that over time you'll forget stuff. That's what they're thinking. And he might be right about a lot of people. So they don't have to deal with a, he should resign, he should be expelled. No, no, no. Let the ethics committee handle it. Let's let do a review. Uh, we'll look into this. We won't look at, you know, just put it over there. Where the uh, vote is four to four, Democrats to Republicans, which means very little will get done. Unless they think the guy's on the way out. Unless they think. Now, Charlie Rose, of course, he's not a member of Congress, but he should be because he had to resign, I guess, from CBS or they fired him or whatever it is. Bloomberg, PBS. Now, this guy... One allegation after another, after another, after another over a period of years. And he doesn't actually deny that. I don't see it that way. I didn't realize that when I walk naked in front of female staff that it might offend them. When I put my hand on the, on the, on the staffer's thigh while she was driving the car, she may have taken it the wrong way. I didn't mean it that way. And, but it, it's not a flat out denial. And that's why they booted him quickly. What about Roy Moore, Mark? Roy Moore! What about Roy Moore, Mark? Roy Moore. This is going to be their response, that and Donald Trump, to every one of these allegations that comes out against these Democrats. 
And you're not allowed to differentiate among any of them. Roy Moore. <clears throat> I have never met Roy Moore in my life. The one time I've talked to Roy Moore was when he was on this program. He didn't even know who the hell I was. But we have some confusion in this case, and you're not even allowed to mention it. Well, I'm going to mention it. It was said, it was reported by the media that uh, Roy Moore was told that he couldn't go back to some mall that he attended because he was chasing teenagers. It just so happens one of the managers back then or close to them that mall said that never happened. Okay, never happened. They came out and said. When it comes to uh, this yearbook, the yearbook was put out there by Gloria Allred who represented the former 14-year-old. And she used it as conclusive evidence that he knew her and so forth and so on. But they're challenging the handwriting, and they want to get the yearbook and give it to an independent uh, uh, expert who can look at it and compare the handwriting, and they can't get the yearbook. Again, I don't know the case. I'm just telling you what the media keeps throwing at us. He says he doesn't, he didn't know the girl when she was 14 years old. He never did anything to her. She says he absolutely did. That's all we have. As applies to her. Then other quote unquote teenagers came forward and said, yeah, he went out on a date. Uh, there was, uh, he kissed me. He didn't kiss me. There was no touching and so forth and so on. So they've loaded them all together. And you and I are supposed to try and figure this out. We can't figure this out. In the case of Charlie Rose, we can figure it out. He was fired. And he didn't deny the specific allegations. He spun them. Al Franken. He doesn't deny the existence of the photo. How could he? It looked like a complete buffoon. With his hands, in my view, on Leanne Tweeden's breasts. And she says they were on his breasts, her breasts. And she also talks about the other things he did in terms of forcing a uh, kiss on her in a way that was inappropriate and so forth. Now we have another woman who comes forward, talks about him grabbing her buttocks while he's a senator in 2010 at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, she told her husband who was taking the picture, her father who'd been there and so forth and so on. And uh, Franken doesn't say, that never happened. I don't know that woman. He says, I've taken thousands of pictures of these events. And if I, if I offended her or something, you know, I apologize. If you offended her. See, these are weasel defenses. They're not flat out, that never happened. I did not do that. And so we in the public have to weigh these things. And what did the Senate do? Mitch McConnell leading the way, Chuck Schumer leading the way, Cory Gardner hiding under his table. Hey, let's send it to the Ethics Committee. Off it goes. It's in the Ethics Committee. Not to be heard from, 9, 10, 12 months, who the hell knows? Where do the allegations against Roy Moore go? There's not even an Ethics Committee to send them. It's just a bunch of babbling from people saying he's innocent, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's innocent. And if you dare raise questions like the timing of it, hey, what are you saying? Are you a pedophile? Hey, you're defending a pedophile. 
Same thing happened to Trump today. He's not defending a pedophile. You're going to have a large number of people in Alabama who are going to vote for Roy Moore. Whether he wins or not, you're going to have a large number of people voting for Roy Moore because they believe Roy Moore. Or they believe the Democrat is immoral in other ways. And they measure these things, they weigh these things. They believe the Democrat is immoral in other ways. He's a radical when it comes to abortion. He supports partial birth abortion. He's a radical when it comes to the Second Amendment. He's a gun control freak. He's a big, he's, a, he's, he's very liberal, especially for the state of Alabama, but really for any state. So people are measuring these things and they're making a decision. All right, I gotta take a break. We'll get right back with Donald Trump's comments. Mark Lovin. carry this point that I'm about to raise over into the next hour, so I hope you'll stick with me. The, uh, the Democrats are uh, trying to make a public uh, point of a reckoning over the Clintons, especially Bill Clinton. Some of them saying he should have resigned. Some of them saying they should have believed his accusers. And I told you the other day, they're doing this so they can attack Donald Trump because they're going to have a reckoning with him, too, you see. But uh, I have a question for you, and I say I'll carry this over into the next hour. Why have they never had a reckoning over Ted Kennedy? Why have they never had a reckoning over Ted Kennedy? Why do Democrats and Republicans in the United States Senate continue to refer to him as the line of the Senate? Why did they treat him with such respect for decades after Chappaquiddick on July 18 1969? It's common knowledge outside the Senate that Ted Kennedy was a sexual predator and a drunk. The media have covered this up for decades, for decades. The Praetorian Guard media have pretended for decades that Ted Kennedy was this great social warrior because he pushed hardcore left-wing progressive policies. And they build him up as this great figure, greater than the life figure, when in fact Chappaquiddick should have been the end not just of his presidential ambitions but his Senate career. But it wasn't. The irony of him sitting there on the Senate Judiciary Committee throwing mud balls at Clarence Thomas. Just unbelievable. Or the idea that this man ever sat on something called the Senate Judiciary Committee is unbelievable. How come the Democrats haven't had a reckoning with Ted Kennedy? How come he was eulogized by Barack Obama and John McCain, and John Kerry, every Democrat, 80% of the Republicans, as this great historic figure without ever mentioning the fact that he was a, a class A sexual predator, and without ever mentioning the fact of Chappaquiddick. Some of the same men who are going after Roy Moore today 
praised to the hilt Ted Kennedy yesterday. They praised Ted Kennedy yesterday. There was never any discussion about expelling him from the United States Senate should he win a special election because he resigned after Chappawittick and threw himself at the feet of the public and they had a new vote. There was never any question about expelling Ted Kennedy, Orrin Hatch's best friend. Expelling Ted Kennedy, John McCain's Lion of the Senate buddy. Never any question about it. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. By the way, should Roy Moore get elected to the United States Senate? You can thank two people, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, not two people, two entities, Mitch McConnell and the Washington Post. Because people may despise them more than they disagree with, or or more than they believe the reports from the Washington Post and others. But I want to get back to this, because I think the most blatant example of the left, the Democrats, the media, all the same, really. Not just of hypocrisy, that's really too kind of a term to use. Of their absolute contempt for the American people and their deceit is Ted Kennedy. Let me describe to those of you who don't know, and those of you who do, a reminder from ThoughtCompany.com. Around midnight on the night of July 18, July 19, 1969, U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy had left a party, was driving his black Oldsmobile sedan when it went off a bridge and landed in Poocha Pond on Chappaquiddick Island, Massachusetts. Kennedy survived the accident, but his passenger... 28-year-old Mary Jo Kopechny did not. Kennedy fled the scene and did not report the accident for nearly 10 hours. Although Ted Kennedy was subjected to a subsequent investigation and proceedings, he was not charged with causing Kopechny's death, a point that many contend was a direct result of Kennedy family connections. Edward Moore Kennedy, better known as Ted, graduated from the University of Virginia Law School in 1959. By 1969, he was married with three children and was lining himself up to become a presidential candidate, having been elected to the United States Senate in 1962. He had hoped to line himself up behind, obviously, his brothers, both of whom were assassinated. Been just over a year since the assassination of U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy. So Ted Kennedy and his cousin Joseph Gargan planned a small reunion for a few select individuals who'd worked for RFK's campaign. 
The get-together was scheduled for Friday and Saturday, July 18 and 19, 1969, on the island of Chappaquiddick, located just the east of Martha's Vineyard, coinciding with the area's annual sailing regatta. By the way, Ted had a home on Martha's Vineyard. The small get-together was to be a cookout with barbecued steaks, hors d'oeuvres, and drinks held at a rented house called Lawrence College. Excuse me, Lawrence Cottage. Kennedy arrived about 1 in the afternoon on July 18 and then raced in the regatta with his boat, Victoria, until about 6 p.m. After checking into his hotel, the Town Inn in Edgartown on the island of Martha's Vineyard, Kennedy changed his clothes, crossed the channel that separated the two islands via ferry, and arrived around 7.30 p.m. at the cottage on Chappaquiddick. Most of the other guys arrived by 8.30 p.m. for the party. Among those at the party were a group of six young women, known as the Boiler Room Girls. Now, let's just stop there. You're a married man. You're a senator. What are you doing with six young women at a party? The Boiler Room Girls. As their desks had been located in the mechanical room of the campaign building for RFK. These young women had bonded during their experience on the campaign and looked forward to reuniting at Chappaquiddick. One of these young women was 28-year-old Mary Jo Kopechny. Shortly after 11 p.m., Kennedy announced his intention to leave the party. His chauffeur, John Crimmins, was still finishing his dinner, so although it was extremely rare for Kennedy to drive himself, he asked Crimmins for the car keys, reportedly, so he could leave on his own. Kennedy claimed that Kopechny asked him to give her a ride back to her hotel when he mentioned he was leaving. Ted Kennedy and Mary Jo Kopechny got into Kennedy's car together. Kopechny told no one where she was going and left her pocketbook at the cottage. The exact details of what happened next are largely unknown. After the incident, Kennedy stated he thought he was heading toward the ferry. However, instead of turning left from the main road to head to the ferry, Kennedy had turned right, driving down the unpaved Dyke Road, which ended at a secluded beach. We all know what Kennedy was up to. We don't have to play games here. Along this road was the old Dyke Bridge, which did not contain a guardrail. Traveling approximately 20 miles per hour, Kennedy missed the slight turn to the left needed to make it safely onto the across, uh, make it onto and across the bridge. His 1967 Oldsmobile Delmont 88 went off the right side of the bridge and plunged into Pucha Pond, where it landed upside down in about 8 to 10 feet of water. Somehow, Kennedy was able to free himself from the vehicle and swim to shore, where he claimed that he called out for Kopechny. Wow. For his description of events, Kennedy then made several attempts to reach her in the vehicle, but soon exhausted himself. After resting, he walked back to the cottage, where he asked for help from Joseph Gargan and Paul Markham. Gargan and Markham returned to the scene with Kennedy and made additional attempts to rescue Kopechny. When they were unsuccessful, they took Kennedy to the ferry landing and left him there, assuming he was going back to Edgartown to report the accident. Gargan and Markham returned to the party and did not contact the authorities because they believed Kennedy was about to do so. I don't care. They go back to the party with the 28-year-old staffer in the Oldsmobile? Upside down in the water?
Later testimony by Kennedy claims that instead of taking the ferry across the channel between the two islands, it had stopped working around midnight, he swam across. After eventually reaching the other side, utterly exhausted, Kennedy walked to his hotel. He still did not report the accident. The next morning, the next morning at 8 a.m., Kennedy met Gargan and Markham at his hotel and told them that he hadn't yet reported the accident because he somehow believed that when the sun came up and it was a new morning, that what had happened the night before would not have happened and did not happen. Even then, Kennedy did not go to the police. Instead, Kennedy returned to Chappaquiddick so that he could make a private call to an old friend, hoping to ask for advice. So he was trying to cover his ass and protect himself. Only then did Kennedy take the ferry back to Edgartown and report the accident to the police, doing so just after 10 a.m., nearly 10 hours after the accident. Knowing Kopechny was still in the Oldsmobile. The police, however, already knew about the accident. Before Kennedy made his way to the police station, a fisherman had spotted the overturned car and contacted the authorities. At approximately 9 a.m., the diver brought Kopechny's body to the surface. Now you see, ladies and gentlemen, there was an air pocket, as I've discussed before, in the Oldsmobile, in the back of the left or the right side of the automobile. And when they recovered Kopechny's body, they recovered her straining to breathe in that air pocket. And obviously, she used up all the oxygen in the air pocket and suffocated. A horrendous death. What must have been going through that young girl's mind? is unbelievable. She'd worked on Robert Kennedy's campaign. She was excited to to go to this event, this reunion. She winds up dying in some hellhole because some lush, some lush decided his career was more important, so he was involved in a cover-up. Who the hell, what kind of human being waits more than nine hours, almost ten hours to report to authorities that there's a young woman in a car that's underwater to try, please come as soon as you can to help save her life? What the hell? This is the line of the Senate. This is the line of the Senate. One week after the accident, Kennedy pleaded guilty to leaving the scene of an accident. He was sent to two months in prison, but the prosecution agreed to suspend the sentence upon the defense attorney's request based on Kennedy's age and reputation for community service. Kennedy never did a day, folks. He should have been charged with involuntary manslaughter, or even manslaughter, leaving the scene of an accident. That evening, July 25, 1969, Ted Kennedy delivered a brief speech about a week later that was televised nationally by several television networks. He began by sharing his reasons for being in Martha's Vineyard and noted that the only reason his wife did not accompany him was due to health issues. She was in the midst of a difficult pregnancy at that time. She later miscarried. And there he is, catting around behind her back. He went on to share that 
There was no reason to suspect himself and Kopechny of immoral conduct, as Kopechny and the other boiler girl, room girls were all, all had impeccable characters. It's not their characters that we were concerned about. It was Ted Kennedy's. Kennedy also stated that the events surrounding the accident were somewhat cloudy. But he distinctly recalled making specific efforts to save Kopechny, both alone and with the assistance of Gargan and Markham. Still, Kennedy himself described his inaction of not calling for the police immediately as indefensible. You know that word indefensible? That's amazing. Isn't that the word they were using last week on uh, Al Franken? Remember that, Mr. Producer? I kept emphasizing how they were using the word indefensible. That's the go-to word. After relaying his take on the sequence of events that occurred that night, Kennedy stated he was considering resigning from the Senate. He hoped the people of Massachusetts would give him advice and help him decide, because after all, that's what it's all about. He ended the speech by quoting a passage from John Kennedy's Profiles and Courage, and then implored that he be able to move on and make further contributions to the well-being of society. In January 1976, months after the accident, an inquest into Mary Jo Kopechny's death occurred with Judge James Boyle presiding. The inquest was kept secret at the request of the Kennedy's lawyers. Why? That's very unusual. Boyle found Kennedy negligent of unsafe driving and could have provided support for a possible charge of manslaughter. However, the district attorney, Edmund Dennis, chose not to press charges. He was no Robert Mueller, was he, ladies and gentlemen? Findings from the inquest were released that spring. In April 1970, a grand jury was called to examine the events surrounding the night of July 18 and 19. The grand jury was advised by Dennis that there was not enough evidence to indict Kennedy on charges related to the incident. They did call four witnesses who had not testified previously, but they ultimately decided not to indict Kennedy on any charges at all. When will the Democrats reconcile their support for Ted Kennedy. Why aren't they asked? Why aren't they asked? Donald Trump hasn't said that Roy Moore is the lion of the, as a former Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. Donald Trump hasn't he praised on Roy Moore like. He's the greatest senator of all time, uh, greatest uh, former justice of all time. Donald Trump, like the rest of us, is wrestling with information that was presented at the last minute, relatively, certainly in politics, where we're trying to figure out who's telling the truth, looking at what so-called evidence is out there, and so forth and so on, and we're all being bullied. They're all being bullied. I heard some guy uh, on cable go on and on and say, you support a... A, a child predator, a child molester? Has that been proven somewhere? He denies it completely. He hasn't given an Al Franken response. He hasn't given a Charlie Rose response. He says, I don't even know who she is. I don't remember any of this and so forth and so on. Now, you don't have to believe him. Honest to God, you don't have to believe him. But here we have cut and dry cases like the Kennedy case. It's black and white, cut and dry. It's it. And the Democrats supported this man to the end, and even after Chappaquiddick. The way he abused women, what took place in Palm Beach, everybody knew it. Everybody knows it today. But you're not allowed to talk about it. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Shopping online has its pluses. It also comes with risks. With the holidays fast approaching, here's some tips to help keep your identity and financial information safe. Always use a secure Internet connection rather than vulnerable hotspots. Shop on sites with secure payment methods like credit cards or gift cards. Create strong passwords. Be wary of deals that are too good to be true. And finally, avoid phony shopping apps. Identity fraud costs Americans $16 billion in 2016. If you're only monitoring your credit, your identity can still be stolen in ways you may not detect. Thieves could sell your information on the dark web or get an online payday loan in your name. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats. If they detect your information, they'll send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. So go to LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. Either case, use promo code LEVIN. That's LEVIN for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Save 10% simply by using promo code LEVIN. So the president's leaving for Thanksgiving. You know how they do it. Getting ready to get on his helicopter. He's going to go to Mar-a-Lago in Florida. And uh, he had that long trip in Asia, which was enormously successful from my perspective. Well, you must be a Trump lover. Anyway, so um, he's out there, and of course, uh, he's asked about Roy Moore. What would the media do without Roy Moore? Seriously. They'd have to create the guy. What would they do without Roy Moore? We have Charlie Rose, one of their own. We had some kook from NBC. He had to go. We got some guy from Pixar now. He's got to go. We've got 412 of them from Hollywood. Uh, they get to stay. Uh, we got Conyers. We got Franken. And believe me, that's just the tip of the proverbial iceberg. But they're focused on one Senate seat, one candidate, one state. Why? Because that's all they've got. That's why. These are the same people or the progeny of the people who defended Bill Clinton, who defended Ted Kennedy. And they're basically, truthfully, defending Franken and Charlie Rose and now Conyers. And you might say, how are they doing that? They're reporting on these different women and this, that, and the other, and these charges. Where's it all winding up? In the ethics committees. Oh, the ethics committees. I don't want to, no, not the ethics committee. My God, not the ethics committee. What will they do? Nothing. Why don't we believe what the women are saying in the Franken case and in the Conyers case and expel them? Just as Cory Gardner was going to expel Roy Moore the minute he stepped into the United States Senate. Why aren't we expelling these people right now? I'll be right back. show with a warning label for liberals. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, guys, if your workplace is business casual, a Yale study found that simply dressing a level up 
earns you greater respect and success at work. Bottom line, smart guys are dressing for success by upgrading their business dress and business casual wardrobes. And setting the trend for guys who want to punch up their style without breaking the bank is a British shirt company, Charles Tyrwhitt. When you arrive in a CT shirt to work, client meeting, holiday party, you look completely put together. Now, these are the best shirts on the market, and I have several of them, and I want you to try them too. Check out this deal that I got for you. One CT shirt normally costs 100 bucks, but right now you'll get three shirts for just $99. That's 60% off. And CT shirts come with free delivery, a six-month quality guarantee, and free returns. 99 bucks gets you three amazing CT shirts, but you need to hurry. Go to ctshirts.com slash Levin, ctshirts.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ctshirts.com slash Levin. They are perfect for this time of year. So you'll want to jump into this while you can. ctshirts.com slash Levin. President of the United States, he is outside the helicopter, getting ready to take off for his Thanksgiving holiday to Florida. And the media are obsessed with Roy Moore. They want to know about Roy Moore. Actually, they want to know what the president thinks of Roy Moore. Because, you see, this is the issue of the century. Uh, and uh, let's see here. It's hard to hear the question. So uh, let me read it to you. We're on cut five, Mr. Producer. Mr. President, are you ready to talk about Roy Moore at all? And see, this is a trap. If he says, I support Roy Moore, then they're going to say, see, he supports pedophilia. If he says, I oppose Roy Moore, then the Democrats will say, see, even Trump wants a Democrat to win. If he says, look, the guy denies it, I don't have any way of knowing the facts, then they're going to say, see, he won't condemn Roy Moore. If he says, we don't need another liberal in the Senate, which is certainly true, see, he is soft on Roy Moore and pedophilia. That's what's going on. So he can't win no matter what. And that's the game they play. Don't you believe in a free press, Mark? I do, but do we have to have a stupid press? A left-wing kook press? Cut five, go. I can tell you one thing for sure. We don't need a liberal person in there, a Democrat. Jones, I've looked at his record. It's terrible in crime. It's terrible in the border. It's terrible in the military. I can tell you for a fact, we do not need somebody that's going to be bad on crime, bad on borders, bad with the military, bad for the Second Amendment. Isn't that true? Those of us who believe in the Constitution, those of us who consider partial birth abortion, I consider all abortion, but most people at least partial birth abortion, a horrendous immorality. I mean, this isn't some moderate Democrat. Or, this is a radical kook in Alabama. Now, here's the kicker. Cut six, go. Is Roy Moore, let me, let me do it this way. Is Roy Moore a child molester better than a Democrat? Now, let's just stop there. Has Roy Moore been adjudicated a child molester? Let me ask you a question. If he'd been adjudicated a child molester, do you think he would have won the Republican nomination? No. Do you think he could possibly even come close to winning the Senate? No. He hasn't been adjudicated or proven to be a child molester. He hasn't admitted even knowing this woman. Certainly at the age of 14, when she was 14 and he was 30-something. 
So that kind of question is actually quite outrageous. And again, I'm not a special pleader. I'm just looking at this stuff. Cut six, go. Well, he denies. I mean, Roy Moore denies it. And by the way, he gives a total denial. Stop. She doesn't even want to hear his hands. What do I do? I don't even know what she's saying. Just screaming at him. Doesn't she want him to answer the question? By the way, he did say total denial. Go ahead. And I do have to say, 40 years is a long time. He's run eight races, and this has never come up. So 40 years is a long time. The women are Trump voters. Most of them are Trump voters. All you can do is you have to do what you have to do. He totally denies it. What is wrong with his response? He's being attacked. You know, he should have avoided this. How the hell do you avoid it? Just smile and wave? He's been asked it a thousand times. But he didn't want to avoid it. He doesn't want the liberal to win. He wants to get his agenda through because here's the other scenario. The liberal in Alabama wins and they say, see that? See that? Trump is weak. See that? The Democrats are on the, are on the move. And then he can't get the border wall. He can't get this. He can't get that because this Democrat's a liberal Democrat. He's going to do whatever Schumer wants. He's going to vote exactly like Al Franken. He's going to vote exactly like Al Franken. Pretty much. He's the Al Franken of Alabama. How about that? Now, Mr. President, what is your message to women? This is a pivotal, mo- pivotal moment in a, our nation's history. Cut seven, go. Women are very special. I think it's a very special time because a lot of things are coming out, and I think that's good for our society. And now, I let's think stop here. This is a setup question, too, because they're going to whack him on his treatment of women like they would never, ever have asked Ted Kennedy. Go ahead very good for women and I'm very happy a lot of these things are coming out and I'm very happy I'm very happy it's being exposed I don't know look I don't want to speak for Al Franken I don't know I don't know what happened I just heard about Conyers two minutes ago uh, as far as Franken's concerned uh, he's going to have to speak for himself I'd rather have him speak for himself another good answer Let Al Franken speak for himself. And Al Franken has spoken for himself. And he hasn't flat out denied anything. Now, John Connor, I never did anything. Now, you and I paid, I think it's $27,000 to settle one of his cases. There's another one that just came forward, a federal lawsuit that was brought against him, according to BuzzFeed and so forth. And I'm betting there's going to be a lot more coming forward because among the allegations is that he flew women into Washington on our dime. Uh, to have relationships with them. Mark, you don't know that to be true. I didn't say I did. That's the reporting. That's the allegation. That's the reporting. That's the allegation. Then he should resign because he paid the settlement. We paid the settlement for him. Now, I have to ask a question, and I really mean this. Well, let's do this. Let's do it this way. Where is the... uh, this is a representative, Diana. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm unfamiliar. Dejet, D-E-G-E-T-T-E. And she was on MSNBC yesterday. And she talks about having been harassed by former Representative Bob Filner, who was a sleazeball. No question about it. Um, and this is how this discussion went on MSNBC. Cut 11, go. 
when I was a young lawyer, um, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of uh, untoward advances, but I had situations would put their hand on my knee a couple of times um, when I was a young congresswoman. All right, stop. So when she was a congresswoman, go ahead. Um, at a diplomatic dinner, and one of the French diplomats tried to put his hand at my dress. You can imagine the shock when you're sitting at a dinner like that. Let me let me just stop a minute. I, uh, I, I, here's what I'm not really understanding. She's a congresswoman and a French diplomat, a piece of crap, puts his hand up her dress. Don't you scream out for help? I mean, I'm not denying this. I'm just trying to understand the response. Wouldn't you yell? Wouldn't you slap that? Wouldn't you do something? Or, or are you just too embarrassed? I don't know, the women around me, my wife, my mother, my daughter, I think if some guy tried to put their hand up their dress at some dinner, I think they'd wind up with a broken nose or a black eye. I'm not trying to project, I'm just saying, you're a congresswoman, and some piece of crap at an event is molesting you. Go ahead. Some years ago, I'm um, uh, elevator, and then Congressman Bob Filner tried to pin me to the door of the elevator and kiss me, and I pushed him away. And of course, some years later, he left Congress. He became the mayor of San Diego, and then he had to leave that position for harassing younger women. And what really concerns me is that these men who are in positions of power like Congressman Filmer, Filner, I mean, I was his colleague. He couldn't take well, let, let, Let's stop a second. He is a grotesque pig. There's no question about it. He has a long history of being a grotesque pig. But you were in a position of power, too. Why didn't you report the guy? He couldn't get you fired. You're a congresswoman. You're elected by the people in your district. It's It's embarrassing. Is that it? But why don't you report them to the Ethics Committee? Everybody's being reported to the Ethics Committee. You didn't even report them to the Ethics Committee. And one of the reasons I say this is not just her personal situation, but how are you going to stop these predators? How are you going to stop these predators? If you're actually a powerful woman, a congresswoman, and this scumbag's trying to pin you to the wall in the elevator to take advantage of you. If you don't do anything or say anything or report something, that predator is going to do it again. Go ahead. And by the way, that's why I keep arguing and have been arguing now for some time. We need to know the names of the members of Congress because they're predators. I'm not talking about a cuss word or something. I'm talking about when you physically touch somebody, assault them, or it's even battery, we want to know who they are. We want to know who they are so we can throw them the hell out. So they're not in Congress assaulting and committing battery against women. I would like to know who they are. Now, a couple of them are coming out. Conyers. Franken. Who else? Go ahead. And believe you me, I never got in an elevator with him again. But what can- Yes, but somebody else did. And that's my point. 
You were a congresswoman. You are a congresswoman. Somebody else did. Maybe some intern who isn't in a power position. Maybe a secretary who's not in a power position. Maybe a janitor who's not, whomever. Maybe a citizen who's not. That, that, that predator is a predator. He'll do it again. Go ahead. Now, which could, should concern everybody, is what about the young staffers? What about the interns? Was this it happening? It does concern me, which is exactly why I'm bringing this up and playing your audio. If John Q. Public or Sally Q. Public doesn't know that this Filner, as an example back then, is a predator, is a sexual predator, what are we supposed to do about it? What are we supposed to do about it? And while he's roaming the halls of Congress, him, others, as a predator in elevators and restrooms and in a corner of this, wherever, I don't know what goes on. Don't people have an obligation to say something, particularly if you're another congressman or congresswoman or congressperson? I think you do. And I think even now, there's a big-time cover-up going on, and I keep talking about this code of silence like the mob. There's a code of silence going on in this Congress right now. And I don't believe for two seconds they didn't know about John Conyers, who's been there since 1965, where we had to pay his settlement in 2015, where he's flying women into the Capitol so he can have affairs. Don't tell me members of Congress didn't know about John Conyers. I don't believe that for two seconds. I'll be right back. Now, if you travel for business, book your next trip at Upside.com. You'll get two of the best gifts anyone will get this holiday season. A free pair of Bose SoundLink wireless headphones so you can have some peace and quiet on your business trip. And the gift of a better business travel experience. Only Upside has customer service specialists who look out for your every step during your business trip. Nobody does that. Their team is hard at work 24-7 to make sure your flight, your hotel, your rental car all go off without a hitch. They're available on demand by chat, phone, and email whenever you need them. All that, plus Upside has great prices for flights, hotels, and rental cars. Now, to get your free pair of Bose SoundLink wireless headphones, it's very simple. Just go to Upside.com and use code MARK. That's Upside.com, code MARK. Claim your Bose SoundLink wireless headphones just for trying Upside. It's one more way Upside is helping to reduce the stress of business travel. Upside.com. Upside.com, code Mark. You deserve a better business trip, folks. Minimum purchase required, and you can see their site for complete details. I strongly encourage you to check it out. Sarah Manhattan, the great WABC. Go. Hi. I I just want to congratulate you, first of all, on the new show. This is very exciting for all of us. Thank you very much. And uh, I know your sincerity, so when you ask the question... Why don't women report this, or why don't we hit them when it happens? Uh, no, 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 let me slow down. In Congress, what I'm questioning here, if you're a congresswoman and some congressman touches you, 
I really think you have an obligation to do something about that because that means that congressman's gonna gonna molest some intern, some secretary, somebody who really doesn't have power. No, I do understand that. The point, the only thing I wanted to say was that this is one of the challenges that professional women encounter. Uh, I encountered it as a lawyer, and it's it's a test of whether or not you can handle it yourself. And if you don't handle it yourself, then other men, even though they would never dream of doing this themselves, see you as problematic. It's well, look, just- I, I, I have to disagree there. Don't, no offense, this is an opinion show. I can tell you the women around me, um, they wouldn't consider it a test. They would consider it a crime. I've talked to them. Uh, and that would be my daughter, my wife, my mother-in-law. My mother would do the same thing. And not only that, my mother would tell my father, and he would beat the crap out of the person. Just saying. And I would expect my wife to me, tell me so I could do exactly the same thing. I just, I just feel if you're a congresswoman and you're, and you're going on TV and a number of them are now and they're saying these things happen, some of them won't even say who did these things to them. Others are saying, oh yeah, Filner, when I was a young congresswoman, but you were a congresswoman. And I'm saying, I'm not blaming her in any respect. What I'm saying is, if you're going to have a safe environment on Capitol Hill, and one of your colleagues is a predator, and you know from experience that that colleague is a predator, you need to do something about it. It's like in the streets, you know, where, where the police go out, and they're trying to get uh, witnesses who who uh, who can speak to what took place in, in a crime and so forth, and they can't get the people to come forward. Well, that person's going to commit another crime. You see my point? Absolutely, and they do. All I was trying to say is that, when you are young, even though you are in the same profession, you know that the senior members are going to hold it against you if you do not handle it yourself. That is just my personal experience. All right. Well, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, my friend. Sarah, I appreciate your call. God bless. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. This will be my last broadcast this week. I'll be returning after Thanksgiving on Monday. We'll be on Levin TV. We'll be on the radio. We'll be everywhere. Um, Maxine Waters, in an address to organizers of the National Women's March, October 28, 2017. That's not that long ago. What's that, three weeks ago, give or take? She's known John Conyers a long, long time. He's been in the House since 1965. She's been in the House, I believe, a few decades. They work very, very closely together on the uh, in the various committees and so forth. I don't mean sexually. I mean ideologically. 
and she's praising John Conyers to the hilt. Here she is on C-SPAN just a few weeks ago. Cut 10, go. You know, there is a member of Congress who has been supportive of women for many, many years. He is quiet, he is confident, he is powerful, but he has impeccable integrity on all of our issues. Give John Conyers a big round of applause. Yay! Yay! I mean, oops, oops. Well, Maxine Waters, who knows about one word called impeachment, 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 impeachment. Will she now be calling for her friend John Connors with impeccable integrity on all their issues for his expulsion, expulsion, expulsion? Why not? Debbie Dingle uh, serves in a house seat that her husband used to serve in, and he served for almost 60 years, and before that his father served in the seat. So it is a seat that's inherited from one dingle to the next dingle to yet another dingle. There's a joke in there, and I know it, but I'm not going to use it. And uh, she's on CNN today, and she has her own uh, horrific experience. She's questioned by Allison Camarada. Cut 12, go. One more thing about what you said on Friday. You talked about a powerful man um, putting his hands on you in a grossly inappropriate way. And you said that he was a historical figure. And since then, there's been a lot of speculation about who that was. And you didn't name names. And I'm just wondering if, for the record, you want to say who it was or who it was not. I don't want to um, name a name, but the speculations all centered that it, on it was a United States senator, and it wasn't. And one of those people, uh, the one, that, the name that I've heard the most, was a very good friend to my husband, and always treated me honorably and respectfully. So, and can I say that name of who it wasn't? Can I? Uh, it was not Ted Kennedy. I will say that because. Oh, you're the one who wasn't touched by Ted Kennedy, but so many others were. And you know, you tell people they need to be careful. You explain what took place. The person isn't still a member of the House, may not even be alive, and you won't mention their name. So people are speculating. The way you put an end to speculation, Congresswoman, is to tell us who it was. Why won't she tell us who it was? It's not even a power position thing anymore. Also tell us as it wasn't Ted Kennedy. And notice people are speculating it must have been Ted Kennedy. Why would they speculate Ted Kennedy, of course? Go ahead. Media took off that way. He always treated me with dignity and respect, and that's why it's dangerous for people to start speculating. Well, it's not. I mean, you won't say who it is. You come up, you explain what took place, but you won't say who did it. Why? You're a congresswoman. You're from a powerful family. And in this instance, the individual cannot harm you politically in a power way or any other way. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just off about this stuff. I might be. Lucas in Brazil on the Mark Levin app. How you doing, Lucas? Hey, Mark. Uh, about you going to Fox News and this crazy and senseless report, well, Mark, just Political. those guys are brave, you know? Uh, yeah. You see, Mark, they are uh, just desperate. Uh, mm-hmm. They know the minute you go on air, 
the whole thing will be a big success as your radio sh uh, as your radio show is as CRTV is as uh, your collection of, of books are and they are actually realizing inside their own strategy of Antonio Gramsci and Frankfurt Frankfurt School that they are not hegemonic no longer after years mm -hmm. so mark Uh, we know that we don't need a horde of Hollywood actors and an army of two generations of leftist journalists. We only need a few guys like you on the right place to make our case. So they are desperate. Right. We must just sit down and relax, you know. Well, you're very, you're very kind. By the way, folks, you ought to Google my name in Politico. All you'll see is attacks on me and very dishonest attacks for the most part. That's all you'll see. Attacks. They're like the uh, the front for media matters, accusing me of all kinds of sleazy, stupid things that never happened. Now, Lucas, uh, you're able to listen to the radio show in uh, Brazil, but do you guys get Fox in Brazil? Actually, we had Fox here in Brazil uh, like five years ago, but all the cable TV don't provide Fox anymore, only CNN. Mm -hmm. But uh, we uh, we have some online. Uh, services from U.S. that we can hire to have Fox on the streaming as we have uh, CRTV. So uh, because of the Internet, we can get very well informed and we can get spread Wonderful. the word of uh, people like you. Lucas, thank you very, very much. God bless you. I appreciate your call. And by the way, Levin TV continues along. Levin TV will keep powering along, and I, would, I hope as many of you as possible can watch it. You know, we do uh, we do a lot of live-in TV shows during the year. It's a weekly, excuse me, it is a weekday program. So it's it airs, and I do multiple shows every week. The Fox program will be Sunday night, 10 p.m., a weekly program. So uh, this is an addition to what I do as a host on live-in TV. So all you subscribers out there, we're going to continue to plow ahead, and I hope we get many, many more subscribers. Uh, because it's a very, very wonderful enterprise, and we have a lot of wonderful hosts. Phil Robertson, uh, Steve uh, Crowder, uh, Steve Dace, Michelle Malkin. And I've already, you can check our websites and uh, and see the folks out there. There's many more. And more to be added, by the way. Let us go to Scott, Memphis, Tennessee, on the Mark Levin app. Go! Appreciate the uh, opportunity. I, I just want to underscore your point. You know, congressional members swear to uphold the Constitution, but so does the military. And if military members did half of what Congress did, such as lie, cheat, steal, abuse women, and try to cover it up, they'd either be court-martialed or expelled. Uh, let me, all right, let me ask you a question. This is a good point. A member of the military, if a member of the military knows about or witnesses a number of members of the military sexually harassing, even abusing, touching a female member of the military, a male touching a female. Can that witness just be quiet and not say anything, or does that witness have to go to authorities? My understanding is through the sexual harassment training, they have to report it. I mean, silence That's is right. permission in some measures could be taken that way from what I understand. If you're a member of Congress and you're in an elevator, and another member of Congress molests you in some way, touches you in ways that they're not supposed to touch you. And you don't tell anybody that. Anybody in authority, the ethics committee, nobody. 
you can probably be sure that predator, if that predator is insane enough to do that to a colleague, they'll be insane enough, because they're predators after all, to do it to somebody who isn't in a power position. This is why I'm a little troubled by the fact that uh, people are coming forward, they were members of Congress, they're only telling us now, and even more than that, people are coming forward, they know that some of these predators are still in Congress, and they will not reveal them. But look what I, I, again, I, I want to analogize that to police officers trying to hunt down uh, um, a, a, a perpetrator, a criminal, and the people in the community or the people in the street are silent about it. Or they're trying to get to the center of what's going on in the mob, and they have a code of silence. This is why I keep saying Congress appears to have a code of silence. And the more of these people they interview, and many of them who are saying that they were molested or otherwise harassed, who refuse to reveal the names of the people who are conducting these uh, these inappropriate, if not illegal, activities. They're not doing their colleagues, the interns, the staff, any favors on Capitol Hill. I, I agree with you, but I'd like to make this point. I think that the what Hillary Clinton and the Clinton organization did over the years, destroying women that went against the organization, I think the media had a lot to deal with people wondering if they could really come forward and get the support. I think the they. If I were in that position, I saw that was going on with what was taking place in the media and the cover. I'd be a bit leery, too, because if you did that, you were going to be destroyed. It's only now that I think with this new administration, the truth is starting to come out. There was no pursuit of truth like your show. There was just spin stories and tales, and they had war rooms to destroy people. So I can kind of get it. I mean, you're going against Well, you know, I, let, let, me, let me tell you this. When I talk about these things, it's very dangerous because there are – individuals and organizations that are out there that will try and twist what I say, to try and make it like I'm defending this or I'm opposing that, and they know they're liars, and yet they, they collect enormous amounts of uh, money and pay their salaries by doing this kind of demagoguery and propaganda. So the fact that I dare to even speak this way and not just go along with the, uh, uh, with the, with the mainstream or even the liberal agenda is actually quite dangerous for me. You're you. I mean, you have Navy SEALs that call, and I've listened to your shows for years, and they're like, I got your back, man. Look. Oh, it's great, isn't it? But I don't mean physically. I, I mean that they, that they look for an opportunity to create a mob mentality on the left uh, against individuals. In any event, Scott, I much appreciate your call. Very, very useful. I'll be right back. in. Asked yesterday, did you uh, did you do anything to your accusers? Is there anything you want to say to them? Cut eight, go. You want to say anything to those accusers that's accusing you? You want to say anything to those accusers, the people that's accusing you of all these wrongdoings? It's not wrongdoings. It is not wrongdoings. Meaning they are not wrongdoings. Well, you've been fired. You know, Patton, at the end of his speech, if you watch the movie, 1970, my favorite movie of all time, he says, glory is fleeting. And I quote him, and I say it all the time, glory is fleeting. Two, three generations from now, you didn't exist. Well, most of us didn't. But the only people who might remember you are family members. 
I mean, I'm a radio host. Two or three generations from now, nobody will know what a radio host was, let alone anything a radio host says. But there might be a great-grandchild or a great-great-grandchild out there who might be curious, right? Glorious fleeting. Al Franken's a big-time senator one day. Next day, he is fighting for his very political survival. Charlie Rose is on PBS and CBS and Bloomberg. Toast of the town. Interviews all kinds of prominent people. Now, not the toast of the town, he's the clown of the town. Glorious fleeting. That's why you can't let it go to your head. Ben Cardin. Ben Cardin, the... What is he? How do I explain this guy? Ben Cardin, Ben Cardin, whatever. He's a nebbish. What's that mean? Google it. It's Yiddish. Ben Cardin. Ben Cardin's a nebbish. He's on CNN today. Hey, Ben, uh, Frank and Conyer, should they resign? He's asked by Poppy Harlow. Poppy Harlow? Yes, Poppy Harlow. Cut nine, go. Should these two men continue to serve in Congress? Well, I just heard about uh, Congressman Conyers' issue. These, uh, these allegations are extremely serious and must be dealt with in a very serious manner. I, I, I supported... Uh, Senate the- Ethics Committee. And then the House Ethics Committee. I'm just guessing. Go ahead. Committee looking at Senator Franken. I think oh, that's okay. the appropriate place for the review mm-hmm. to take place mm-hmm. and for recommendations to the full Senate as oh. to what actions we should take. I would hope in the House they would use a similar process to evaluate. And it's important that there be transparency here. Uh, mm. Clearly, we've seen how positions of power have been used to control... So, women. see, we get the lecture. We get the lecture. Uh, we get the lecture, basically, that the Congress, in many respects, is a cesspool. And we get the lecture about how it shouldn't be a cesspool and how you ought to be nice to women and you shouldn't sexually harass people and we're going to have a mandatory training. Uh, should they resign? Well, we're going to let the process work. We're going to let the... Now, Roy Moore... No, 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 no. no, no. He shouldn't... The voters shouldn't even have an opportunity to make a decision. People of Alabama, they're too stupid. Uh-uh. Only we in Congress. We got it. We get it. We know what to do. Go ahead, please. That is unacceptable in America. What, what's too much, though? What is too much to serve in Congress? Well, I, I think the reputation of Congress is critically important. Well, the reputation of Congress sucks. It's way down in the dirt. Just so you know, Senator. Go ahead. We all have a responsibility, those that have been given public trust, to act in a way that's a, that, uh, that represents that trust. And when you use that power to try to take advantage of, of a woman, that's unacceptable, and it must be very clear that's unacceptable. Well, it's, it is clear that it's unacceptable, except to the predators. It's not clear to them. And this is it. We keep talking in circles. We, we're well aware that grabbing a woman's breast in the elevators or put or in the elevator or putting your hand up her dress at a dinner is inappropriate, Senator, and it's unacceptable, Senator. That's not the question. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, we'll send it to the House and the Senate Ethics Committees. Go ahead. 
clear and they should be removed from Congress? Well, I, as you pointed out a little bit earlier, there are gradations of issues here. I think it's up to the Ethics Committee to try to develop the appropriate way that we can deal with these, these cases. Clearly, there may be others, and I think we need to have standards that are very clear. They don't have clear standards in the United States Senate? Sexual harassment. I'm not even talking about words. That's a, a, you know, things that go on in offices, I suppose, that sort of thing. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about physical abuse, molestation. You need clear standards? Look, you're elected officials. That's all you are. You're not particularly special. You're not God's gift. You're flesh and blood like all the rest of us. If you have a predator who's a United States senator, then kick his ass the hell out of the United States Senate. Well, we need this process and a process and a process. Okay, fine. But you don't seem to think that way when it comes to people you disagree with, do you, Senator? All right, I'll be right back. Levin, Liberties, General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. You know, if you're like me, your favorite part of going to the mall as a kid was stopping by Mrs. Fields. It'll probably be your favorite part of going holiday shopping this year, too. Something about that first soft bite of the perfect chocolate chip cookie just makes you feel like a kid again. This holiday season, you can give your friends and family that same feeling of pure joy with a holiday gift arrangement from Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields' cookies have been around for 40 years. Everyone knows and loves them. Remember the very first time you had one? Well, it's like you finally knew what a chocolate chip cookie should taste like. They're so soft and chocolatey. Just thinking about those cookies make my mouth water. And Mrs. Fields' cookies are freshly baked and ready to enjoy right out of the box. Each one is handmade. And the cookies with icing, the icing is put on each cookie by hand. So they really do take the time to not only give it a tremendous taste, but a tremendous look too. So everyone can have what they've always wanted right now. Here's an exclusive deal for you, my beloved audience. Go to MrsFields.com. Try it out right now. MrsFields.com. Click on the microphone on the upper right-hand corner and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Now, if you do that, you'll get 25% off Mrs. Fields' best-selling Peace, Love, and Cookies tin. This is the perfect time to do it. Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, this is the time to do it, so I hope you'll act quickly. Go to MrsFields.com. Click on the microphone on the upper right-hand corner. Enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Get 25% off. Mrs. Fields' best-selling Peace, Love, and Cookies tin. You get nibblers, bite-sized cookies, brownie bites, and a whole lot more. So click on the microphone, enter the promo code LEVIN at MrsFields.com to get the perfect holiday gift for 25% off. My mouth is watering just by reading that. I see we're in the uh, New York Times. Fox News to bolster its conservative lineup with Mark Levin. I have to say about this reporter, he actually spoke to me. Michael Grinbaum seemed like a very nice guy. Uh, 
but these phrases like right-wing radio hosts and so forth. <clears throat> By the way, Mr. Producer, did you know that I'm not as well-known as Sean Hannity and Laura, Ing- and Laura Ingram? That's what he says. So, uh, of course, Sean Hannity is one of my best friends. Well, one way or another, it's not a question of trying to be well-known. It's just a question of trying to do what's right and to make the case. And that's what I do. Also, I don't want to leave a misimpression in this article. You know, when a reporter writes an article, they can't put everything in. To to his credit, this is actually a pretty good article. But uh, I like Donald Trump, personally, a lot. I've only met him twice, as I told you in the first hour. Once at a rally with thousands and thousands of people opposed to the Iran deal. And the other time was last Thursday. He's just a very likable guy. And he's very engaging. I'll tell you what was interesting about the meeting, in part, was he's very inquisitive. He asked me about, you know, how I think he's doing. He asked me about the tax proposal. I told him the truth, exactly as I tell you on the on the uh, radio. About the judges, he's very proud of the judges he's uh, nominating, and he should be, and things of that sort. I jokingly said, no conspiracy theories or anything, because they keep, and even in this story, they keep talking about the March show that I did, the conspiracy theory about Barack Obama wiretapping Donald Trump's office. And I never said that. And yet, the Associated Press lied about it, so it was repeated. Brian Stetler over at CNN lied about it, so it was repeated. Others lied about it because they wanted it to be that way. The headline that talked about a direct wiretap was actually in the, in the New York Times. And they tried to quickly change it. And I talked about the headlines, and I made my own... Uh, uh, I, I, I surmised based on the headlines, based on the stories. And so there was no conspiracy theories. No conspiracy theories. And the extent of the Obama administration's espionage activity still has not been communicated to the American people. We only get bits and pieces about the unmasking, about the FISA court, uh, <clears throat> about the expansion of the sharing of information uh, among agencies, uh, about the uh, provision of information to members of Congress on Capitol Hill at the urging of uh, former Obama official, among others. I mean, it goes on and on and on. This is not a conspiracy. It is a reality. But that's okay. There'll be other stuff, too. But um, Fox News to bolster its conservative lineup with Mark Levin. All right. Well, there you go. New York Times. Let's take some... What's important to me, though, folks, is that you like the show once it's out, the end of February, so we have a few months to prepare for it, get past the holidays. That's crucial to me, is that you're you're interested in watching it, that Sunday night comes up. I'll tell you why I asked for Sunday night at 10 p.m. <clears throat> because when I was growing up, I don't mean as a you know four-year-old, when I was growing up as a young teenager, then a teenager, then an older teenager, there were great shows on, on the weekend nights. Most of them, believe it or not, were on government TV, but I would search out Firing Line and search out uh, documentaries, search out these other programs. And so what I'm hoping is, at least for many of you, or maybe some of you, uh, comes 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night, it'll be something, you know, let me check in and see what Levin's doing. And I want to make sure that I draw your attention 
and do so not in some flashy way and not with a conga line of guests, um, but with substance, which I think will be very entertaining and very informative. We're about to find out. Um, I don't need a lecture from a liberal David in L.A. telling me that I'm not a woman, so I don't know how it feels. I know I'm not a woman, and I don't know how it feels. But I'm married to a woman. A woman gave me birth. Uh, my daughter is a woman. My mother-in-law is a woman. And they know more than David. But I'm not even saying... But, but, but you see, this is the problem with liberals. That's not what I said. I didn't say it's not traumatizing. I didn't say it's not horrific. When somebody's molested, who can defend that? Except Democrats when it comes to Bill Clinton. Except Democrats when it comes to uh, Ted Kennedy. We regular Americans, who can defend that? I don't defend it. I haven't defended it yet, and I never will. It's grotesque. What I'm saying is, that guy deserves a big punch in the mouth, or the nose, or wherever. What I'm also saying is, if you're in a power position, and you're a member of Congress, and one of your colleagues molests you in an elevator, or one of your colleagues molests you somewhere else, if I feel like you have an obligation to tell the authorities. You have an obligation to tell the authorities so the perpetrator isn't molesting other people. I, I view this as me, as a citizen, or as if you're a citizen and you're a female, and you're out there and you happen to see somebody do something that is criminal, that is violent, well, don't you want to tell the police? Or if they do it to you, don't you want to tell the police? And I think we should encourage it. We should encourage it. Not just dismiss it. And we should at least discuss it, right? You can't do that. You've never been a woman. And I've never been a perpetrator. But I think we ought to discuss it. This, this to me, is part of the whole discussion, is it not? Sean, Salt Lake City, Utah, the great KKAT. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure. You bet. Um, one of the things that uh, that kind of attracted me to the election and things like that were, um, you know, Ted Cruz would get up and they talked about how he would um, you know, push back in con- in uh, the Senate, and he would um, stand up for principles and things like that. Uh, Marco Rubio, all these guys, and I don't hear anything from these guys anymore in regards to you know what's going on with the um, sexual misconduct and with you know the tax plan, the Constitution. I don't hear from these guys anymore. So, are you hearing from them? No. No, I am not. Marco Rubio hasn't contacted me in, I guess, a year, maybe. Haven't heard from Cruz. But, but keep in mind, it's not like I'm one of these hosts that necessarily wants to hear from everybody. I understand, but I, I just you don't hear from them on the news even anymore. And I, I'm surprised there hasn't been more conservative uh, objections in Congress to these tax proposals. I, I really am. I'm, I'm more surprised, uh, you know, listening to their colleagues with their class warfare BS. I'm, I'm kind of surprised at that. I'm just curious, you know, what voice do what voice do we have? You know, we have the convention of states and things like that that you've talked about, but you know, we well, I can't I can't create them for you. There's only certain avenues that we have. I understand. I guess I'm just expressing frustration because we send these people back, 
you know, to Washington, D.C. to be a voice for us. Or well, I understand. I understand. Well, that's why if you expect Washington, D.C. to be a voice for us at this point, you shouldn't expect it anymore. Yeah, Which true. is why I promote Article 5 Convention of States and uh, why I think that you can have a lot more influence on the outside than on the inside in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I All right, Sean. Cheer up, baby. It's Thanksgiving. Bill, Dayton, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, go. Yes, sir. What a delight to speak with you. Uh, Thank you very much. Right, I pray for the right words to say because it's uh, <laughs> my my discussion uh, has to do with the how closed-minded and closed-grouped and and clubby the whole Washington establishment democratic world is and and stay with me on this and that is that it's almost as if if bill clinton is a sexual you know use the next word uh uh predator then predator then maybe if i get away with it i'll be in that club and then they'll draw me in closer and then if i if I'm John Harwood, and I, I, I honestly don't believe it. I believe these sexual predators have a loose screw. No, what I'm saying, if you will, just give me a little more leash. Is well, that, I can't give you a lot. I'm coming up to a hard break in 30 seconds. All right, I get, all right. What I'm saying is they believe that the club is what you want to join. And the tighter you are with the club, the more that you are tight with the leadership. And the more you'll get... No, I understood. I said I disagree. I don't think this is a matter of trying to be in the club. I think this is a matter of having power and abusing other human beings. And it wouldn't be the first time that that takes place. But thanks for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. Life is stressful, isn't it? Even worse when the IRS is after you for back taxes. You agonize when they'll show up, seize your bank accounts, put a lien on your home, or garnish your wages. It was even worse for Lori. Lori was engaged, but knew bringing 25 grand of IRS debt into the marriage was no way to start her new life. Lori did something really smart. She called Optima Tax Relief. Why don't you call Optima Tax Relief? Because Optima stepped between Lori and the IRS, analyzed her case, and uncovered some game-changing facts that allowed them to settle her case in her favor. When Optima told Lori that her IRS problems were over, she called it the happiest call of her life, and her wedding was back on. Optima has resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients and are A-plus rated with a Better Business Bureau. Getting your life back starts the moment you call Optima for your free consultation. Call 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Don't stress throughout Thanksgiving. Call them. Optima Tax Relief. So, Mr. Producer, tomorrow, uh, Ben Shapiro fills in, correct? Friday, our man Dan Bongino fills in, correct? Well, I don't think there's much better. We've got those two great hosts. We've got Cunningham. We've got, um, oh, I can't remember everybody. Our man Ben in Memphis. Another Ben. Again, I can't remember everybody. Uh Uh-oh. I hate when I go down this path, and then I screw up. But anyway, we have uh, the great Ben Shapiro and the great Dan Bongino, and I want to thank them. Dave, let's see here. There's two Daves. 
David, Nashville, Tennessee, the great WWNT, excuse me, WWTN, go. Hey, Mark, it's uh, great to talk to you. Um, My comment is about the people that are representing this country have Mm -hmm. a slush fund set aside for their immoral activities, but yet these are the same people that will run out and shove their nose in front of a camera and dog Roy Moore out about supposedly something he did or may not have did 40 years ago. And I know, and you know what, David? The the inside, the Beltway mentality, and that which spreads from there to other uh, limited areas of the country, the media, the left, and so forth, and so on, and the the Republics, the progressive Republicans, they don't even understand what you're saying. They refuse to accept what you're saying. They don't even understand they look like a bunch of buffoons. I was talking to a guy today, and I said, just think of the company I work for. Let's say they just, the HR department said, you know, we're going to put back $6.5 million every year for one of our employees if something like this come up litigated against them. I said, what would you think our standing in the public eye would look like? Do you think anyone would want to use our company to ship things with? I said, absolutely not. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you think there'd be congressional hearings ridiculing your company? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, we, yeah, they me would too. have them pulled up in front of everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, I know it's, it's... Mark, I'm glad it's... you're on the radio. Dude, I listen to you every night on my drive home. I drive 57 miles back and forth to work each day. I'm a truck driver. And, man, you give me hope that, that there is some hope for this country because there are so many people out there that don't take the time to look at things and look things up for themselves. They just read things and what they hear, they just assume that that is the law. And these people in this country have got to get up off their duff and wake up and quit watching reality television and start teaching their kids about the Constitution, what it stands for, what it means. Mm -hmm. The men that go out and defend this country and lay it on the line that sometimes don't come home. And we damn well better appreciate every and each one of them in our law enforcement. Mm-hmm. All right, brother, and thanks for listening, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I much appreciate it. Lisa, Lake Wales, Florida, Sirius Satellite, go. Uh, I wanted to stress your point that you were making about um, speaking up. Uh, uh-huh. You know, when you have been violated or you have had... You know, when I was 12 years old, I was molested by a 36-year-old man. And I did remain silent until the point when I saw that my nieces could possibly be in danger. The one thing that will make you speak up is the fact that someone else could be facing what you face. That is the one thing that will break all fear, that will give you the strength that will give you the power to do it. So if mm-hmm. these women don't aren't speaking up, it makes me, you know, question things because of the fact that I know from my own experience and from other women I've spoke with that that is the one thing that will break your silence. Let me let me just say this. If you're 12 years old, I get it. I really do. If you're a member of Congress molested by another member of Congress, I do understand the hesitation. But I think when you're weighing things, I would think that you want to stop that predator from uh, from molesting somebody else, including somebody else who may not be in your type of a position, somebody who may be uh, 
you know, in, in a very junior position and a very young person. Lisa, I'm very sorry that you had to go through that. God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I will see you on Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. God bless each and every one of you, and I cannot thank you enough for being there for me. See you on Monday.